0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. Speaking of helping your business grow, sales cures ales. How do you get more of them? One of the best ways to do that is start automating so many of those processes. That's exactly what we're going to talk about. I love this topic, by the way. So stick around because... I think you'll love it too. And before I introduce today's guest, a quick reminder that today's episode Startup Hustle is powered by fullscale.io because hiring software developers is difficult and fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Go to fullscale.io to learn more. We love talking to Startup Hustle listeners and I know that one thing that'll happen is at least in a conversation with us, you're going to leave with some good advice. Now with me today, I've got a founder who has been on the show before, but his company is on our Kansas City's top startups list. And that is, it's, it's kind of tough to do. We're pretty picky about that, especially here in our hometown. His name is Nick Smith. He is the CEO and co-founder of Sale.ai. That's S-A-I-L-E.AI. There's a link that in the show notes,
1: as well as a link to fullscale.io. Nick, yeah. welcome back, man. Great to be here. And thanks for the. It's a, an honor to be, uh, to be one of your top startups. So <laughs> really appreciate it. And I'm happy to be here again. Well, you're, you're all over the
0: local press here. You've had fresh funding, fresh accolades. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: won an award. What? Yeah, man, you're all, you're all over the place. So you just on, just on the show in what, August? I think so. It's, time's flying by. 2023 has started off uh, really strong with a lot of interest. Thanks, of course, in part to some of those accolades and some of that press. But I also think that you know we just continue to find uh, more and more companies that have a bottleneck in the prospecting process. And we're finding a lot of success helping them automate it for sure. Well, you
0: I'll go ahead and in an unsolicited way, I mean, full scale started using sale and we're getting through that process because we've got a bottleneck there too. And, you know, we talked last time about sales and prospecting and, and automation. And, and, you know, before we hit record, we were both kind of, humans aren't always the answer. Uh, One thing I know about software
1: is if it's done right, it shows up to work every day yeah well, I think and especially humans that are tasked with doing robot like things yeah, that's you know? the main thing yeah. yeah, because humans are the answer for so much high so many high i q activities yeah but if you look back at your day what how many tasks did you do that could have been automated or right. could have happened simultaneously yeah. we which we don't even get to talk about enough, but yeah absolutely well,
0: but and that's that's a hard part because you want to try to have intelligent thoughtful, motivated people on your team. But one way to kill all that is, okay, now go find 87 links
1: and capture the link and let's put it in a spreadsheet. Yeah. The repetition kills the spontaneous nature of a great sales executive. It kills the creativity. You were talking right before, I think that was before we hit record about being clever. Yes. and and salespeople are some of the most clever people ever, yes. but the way to kill that inspiration is to just pile on so many tasks that are repetitive.
0: And well, let's be realistic. Um, people in general are not consistent. sure. and they don't like doing robot like stuff. yeah. so if you can take that off of their plate and let people do more valuable things. You're going to get a lot more done. Now, you also talk about the scalability and like, why did we start using sale.ai? Once again, there's a link in the show notes. It's because I'm trying to, you know, I've got this rapidly growing company. I just had my 300th employee start. We're not even five years old. I'm trying to, I realize there's so much more that we can do, but I need to scale a process. And that process is very definable. It is very repeatable for so many things. And then there's some other things that aren't. So like I look at like you get that old 80-20 rule, like if you can take 80% exactly of these things and begin to automate it. So when we look at like automating sales in general, like what are some of the
1: top things to I think the discovery process. So when we talk about sale bots, we can usually break it down into three pools, sale bots for people, meaning here's my top salesperson. If they had a bot to prospect, they'd be able to close three times as much. Or there's sale bots for products. So a company that's selling a lot of different things, they can have sale bots that represent each of those different things. But what you're reminding me of is the third pool, which is sale bots for processes. So there's not just one sales function. There's the function of discovering net new contacts and companies. There's the, you know, the research function. How about the nurture function? Who out there has a hundred thousand records or a million records in their CRM and they have no idea what's what, where they came from. If the person still works there, if it's a valid email, if the information's right, we can uh, can automate any of those functions with a sale bot. I think the most common and where I think companies still see, uh, I have a story about this, where companies still see the biggest lift today is on that research and discovery Mm -hmm. side most companies have figured out how to email everyone at once and, and they're following yeah. up manually one at a time. I think there's still a question of what do we do once they respond and how do we find the people we're going to email in the first place? So sales bots automate all of that, you know, with, with, um, sort of the news around chat GPT, there's been a ton of, of just content on LinkedIn and posts about how chat GPT is, is helping me. And I was really struck by this post a couple of weeks ago. Um, where someone said, "Look, you know, I can I can ask ChatGPT who my top prospects are. I can ask for more information about prospects, and I can put all of those prospects into a spreadsheet, and then I can automate emails outbound to them. And you know, we look at that and say, you know, hey, that's great. That's another half step toward automating the entire process. A sale bot would find the people, validate them, validate the data." Um, and target them simultaneously, and react intelligently to everything that they were saying back to you. So there's more and more interest in automating it, but I still think people get really excited about finding prospects for them, uh, and and the automation of that piece.
0: I think that's what uh, I find so interesting and fascinating about what you're doing at Sale, because like, here's the reality: is like for the, I mean. You're doing the prospecting process as the key ingredient is let's find new opportunities, not just manage the ones that we already know exist. And there's, you know, great salespeople. I'm a great salesperson. You're a great salesperson. I'm good at spotting and looking for opportunities and having some kind of reasonable assessment. Maybe at this point it's experience and a gut instinct about the value of that opportunity, but But what really stinks is when something about, well, okay. So I'm the CEO of a 300 person company. I got a lot of shit going on, man. And it's easy for me to, um, unfortunately, and I say this because it is unfortunate and it's painful is when you miss an opportunity because you weren't paying attention or it slid by or whatever. And that's where automation can, can fix the problem and also
1: become a scalable solution. Sure. Because you're going to, you're going to Certainly uh, not have the same, let me say it another way. Anytime you automate something, there's a a piece of it that because it's automated is more rinse and repeat than maybe you would be manually. And maybe with every manual email or approach, you would put a piece of individual flair on that. You might lose a bit of that by automating it. But the sheer volume you're able to cover and as intelligent as you can make it, the more intelligent, the better. You should see huge returns on that automation that, like you talked about with the 80-20 rule, that net out to far bigger gains than if you were to go after something manually or with a novel approach. But what we say to people, like here's an example, when one of our salespeople reaches out manually, their their objection to me is, this person's gonna say, Why didn't you use a sale bot to reach out to me? And my response is that the exact reason you did reach out manually is because you had the time, because your sale bot is automating your baseline prospecting for you. Now you can have more strategic conversations. You can uh, talk about novel ideas or take an approach different than you typically would because your time has been freed up. Because the one thing you know as a salesperson is, especially if you're full cycle, you have to prospect all the time. This prospects all the time for you and you call the shots on who it's prospecting. Prospecting and selling are two different skills Definitely. Like, and, and yeah. not all
0: salespeople possess both. Cause I think a lot of salespeople like, well, all salespeople like the actual act of making a sale and completing it. And a ton of them just don't like prospecting. They're not good at it. It's cause guess, it's work. Yeah, It's work. And so, and so part of that is, is, you know, so what would happen in your company if, and I'm speaking to you, the listener, what would happen in, in, in your company if you could automate the process of identifying and finding more opportunities? And the answer should be that you'll sell more and your revenue will grow. So why aren't you identifying more opportunities? And then the, the, the real reason for that is because you're running a business, you're delivering services or products to buyers, you are uh, probably have a life outside that if you're lucky. And you're doing a whole lot of other stuff, so why not get a little help in the background? So you say, okay, great. So you go, yeah, okay, so I'm going to hire a new salesperson, and then the thing is, is it's going to take you a couple months to figure out if they're any good, and you're hoping that they are, and the reality is, is every salesperson that shows up to interview is going to tell you what a great freaking salesperson they are, and very few are, and now you get, now you're three months down the road, and that person didn't work out, or they weren't any good, or they found a different opportunity, or something occurred, now you get to start over. Yeah, you get to start over, and you get to start over, and you get to start over, and then. But that's what appeals to me about automation and bots is that you only need to get that part of it right in that in that slice that matters. And now you can pile more people around it. You can turn the you turn it up to eleven and do a lot of stuff that that is. Imagine being able to have a repeatable process that you don't have to train ten million people into. And the thing, like what I really in intrigued me about sale is if I have a 10, 20 person sales team, they can step right into that. I don't have to sit around and train people or pay them to do
1: a bunch of manual stuff. Sure. And it, well, you know, we get asked a lot about closing ratio. What, what can we expect? So sale bots deliver actionable opportunities. What percentage of those can we expect to close? And we say the same percentage that you would require your human salespeople to close today because a, they're still going to be the ones closing it. B, they're driving on who the ideal company is. They may not have to provide the data, but they're describing it and and uh, C they're in control of the content. you know they're describing the value proposition. they don't have to write emails but they're describing the value proposition. And so that full process is controlled. It's just a matter of serving them more revenue opportunities. But what you said, I think is smart because the reality is I think companies come to us first for more revenue opportunities. I think they stay based on the outcomes that were accelerated. And those outcomes can come in many different shapes and sizes. You described hiring a salesperson and waiting three months to find out if they're gonna work out. What if they had a sale bot or some automation on day one? You would find out a lot sooner if they had what it takes to close business. If they did, by the way, they would close business a lot sooner because they would be served opportunities. What about on the market side? You know, it's a lot less expensive to deploy a bot to investigate the viability of a market than it is to put a human on it manually. And if it's not working or there's not interest, you're going to know so much quicker with a sale bot than you would investigating that manually. And so there's a, there's a savings component there. I mean, we might've talked about this last time, but salespeople don't tend to get too excited about saving money. They, no. they get more excited about uh, generating revenue. Yeah. But I think there is some important value added that the acceleration offers.
0: So I want to give an example of the kind of automation that you built once again, what part of it intrigued me because the missed opportunity is the painful one. You always learn about it later. Yeah. And unfortunately I've had conversations with people that I've seen and I'm like, Hey, so what's going on? Did you know, how's that development? So they're like, Oh, well we hired someone else. And I'm like, why? And like, well, no one followed up with me. Yeah. And that's like a component of what you do. So you talk about this is like, Okay, look, I, I'm a self-admitted salesperson, which, and because I'm a good salesperson, that probably guarantees that I'm not organized They're not in a way that organized people are actually organized. Sure. Like I got a file or a folder. I know it's in my laptop yeah. somewhere. Right or my in or out box. Yeah, and for me, that's that's actually like good. My so what? It's good enough. But but I'll run into like, hey, (laughs) uh, call me back in July. Yeah, our funding round would close, and I'll be like, great. And then around August, I'll remember
1: that I forgot to do that. Well, so we, we had to move my dad into like a home, right? Because he he has dementia. And so part of that came with like cleaning out his belongings. And I too, am a salesperson and I I could share without being too self-deprecating. I, I agree with you on the organization front sometimes, but in cleaning out my dad's stuff, he had this box and inside of it was this manila envelope with a big red ink that said, you know, important. And inside this important envelope was a bunch of unopened mail. So he knew it was important. That doesn't mean he's going yeah. to open it or address it. You're exactly right. So someone responds and says, follow up with me in 12 months or follow up with me in July. A sale bot would read that and do just that. It will follow up in July or a year later. I think the benefit to you is you're so busy as a salesperson, it doesn't hit your desk until it's really actionable. Meaning they need information now or they want a meeting on Tuesday, yeah. something like that. Quick story. You talked about missed opportunities as a salesperson. So it's 2011, maybe 2012. And I don't tell this story a lot, but I was at CBS at the time and I was managing a group of younger, I would call them like sales associates and selling advertising, right? So this company reaches out that's in the rideshare business and they want to have a meeting about some exciting things we could do for them. And the company's, the company's called Uber, (laughs) And so we sit in the conference room. It's me and, and Pete. I like how you left that a little, a yeah. little, a
0: little <laughs> mysterious. And they're like, fuck it. It's Uber. Yeah,
1: exactly. So we sit in the conference room and the Uber, she was like a marketing director or something. She's describing this app and people are going to be able to request rides. And after the meeting, I tell Pete, this is totally on me. I said, I don't know, Pete. Seems like a, seems like a weird business model. I don't know. I don't know what's there. How I'm not gonna sure. are going to kill the cab? <laughs> So, like, five years later, I'm at a completely, work for a completely. Five years later, I'm in an Uber. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm in an Uber. Uh, Five years later, I'm at a job, which I think I Ubered to the interview. And the business manager that Uber wants to advertise with this, this new media company I work with, the business manager comes up to me and she says, Nick, I don't know if we should approve, I don't know if we should approve this company for credit. I don't like their, I don't like their business model. And there's me. Are you crazy? We're talking about Uber. How could you never approve them for an ad spend or something like that? And I realized in that moment how dumb I had been talking about the missed opportunity, you know, the one that got away. Well, I think you missed a lot of
0: opportunities. You probably could have been an early stage investor along (laughs) the way too. I mean, it's like, Oh man. But look, Uber is like uh, probably the most palatable example of like widespread disruption that you can come up with. I mean, the other, the other, the other one that, okay, so as Uber was kind of coming out, we were also going through the whole, like, like the, the music streaming stuff. And I, you know, I have a history in the music industry. So I remember how disruptive people are like, what do you mean? You want me to give it away for free? Right. (laughs) What do you mean? I only get a penny a lesson. Like yeah. yeah, but the idea is that more people will listen. Oh, there's more opportunities and you know, it's just things happening. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. So I've I asked our friend at ChatGPT, which we mentioned earlier, what the ten things that sale, what are ten things that salespeople are bad at? Before I get into that list, a quick reminder that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, where we can help you find and build a team of software developers, testers, and leaders, and we do it quickly and affordably. Go to Fullscale.io to learn more. So, okay, so we asked the AI. Yes. We asked the AI what 10 things that salespeople are bad at. What do you think number one
1: is? Prospecting.
0: It is not. No. It's listening. Oh, listening. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well. <laughs> which, which is a weird thing because I've, I've actually had this conversation because a lot of people think because you're a good talker that you're yeah. a salesperson. That's usually not the case because a good salesperson is listening. Yeah. I, I become a remarkable listener when I'm trying to sell something.
1: Interesting. Yeah. 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 Because how are you going to create solutions if you're not hearing what the problem is? Right. What's number two time management,
0: time management. And that's, that's where that's kind of, that's where that comes into what Mm. you built. Yeah. Cause says they may struggle to balance customer interactions, administrative tasks, and self-promotion. Right. So there's a few things I've learned about business, and that's that getting the people that you hired to do the job that you hired them for, A, is sometimes tough, B, you're hoping they're good at it, and C, what can you do to clear them up? So, like, You want your programmers programming, you want your testers testing, you want your salespeople selling, you want your accountants adding up your sales and yeah. stuff like that, and, and it's easy to get outside of that. And that's back to that repeatable nature. So what do you think number three is? Number three. So we had listening. We had time
1: management. I don't know.
0: Overcoming objections.
1: Overcoming objections. So can I talk about sale for a moment? Overcoming objections. I owe my career to overcoming objections. We at a previous company, the same one I mentioned before, we would meet every Monday at 8 a.m and we would have an overcoming objections meeting where we would throw out objections and answer them in front of everyone. We do it a little differently at sale. We just had this meeting today. It's called the objections hot seat where one salesperson is in the hot seat and we all rotate throwing objections out to them and then coming together and and learning from them because it's so important to really sell value. It's also important. you know. I'm big on on words and audio and orating. And I think that making sure the person's picture in their mind is actually what's being sold is really important. And some of their objections will tell you what they're envisioning instead of what you're actually selling. So I think that's important. I will tell you, you know, we're doing a lot of vision and and roadmap exercises for sale as well and sale bots, you know, overcoming objections is a, is a big value add. But I think today if, if I had a sale bot, you know, it would be able to serve me those objections quicker because the human has to be good at overcoming them to really sell. I think
0: that inexperienced and bad salespeople look at objections as someone not being interested. It's the exact opposite. 100% the exact opposite because people are at, they have an object. So what do I mean by an objection? Uh, That's any kind of question you're asking about the at the service or the product or, Hey, is this the right, you know, do you you think this is the right thing for an eight-year-old? Okay. That's an objection technically. And then the answer is going to be, yeah, this might be, this is a great product for an eight-year-old because it's really simple to use.
1: Yeah. That's how you overcome an objection. You know, what sucks as a salesperson is the unknown the yeah. unknown when someone says maybe or when someone doesn't follow up with you yeah. objections should be a dream for every salesperson because it takes the unknown out of it when they're throwing fastballs at your head in a yeah, meeting that'll wake you up that's the that's your time to shine and re- that's selling
0: well but, and i've learned that people that don't have objections usually don't buy exactly they're not interested they're not invested
1: enough to yeah, give you their they're objections they they
0: so with that and knowing that there's objections, like that's always my reason to call or reach out. Hey, I just want I gave you a lot of information yesterday. Next, is there anything I need to clarify? Yeah, Because you might not even, because busy people oftentimes aren't even going to vocalize
1: their objections because they're busy being busy. I think my problem as a founder is if someone gives me an objection today, I can tell them what we did three years ago, why we changed it what we do now, and what we're going to do moving forward. It's almost like information overload. Sometimes I way overcome the objection. I think as long as you've given the person a safe space to give you an objection and you really hear them and address it while also, you know, of course, spinning it toward the value you provide, that's, that's the role of a
0: salesperson. Well, that's the key, the value. And, you know, and during the object, when handling an objection, you need to remember that it's not the feature that the people are interested in. They're interested in the advantages and benefits that said feature provides. And at some point during the process of building that value, I haven't done an effective enough job to help you understand and clarify your need. Yeah. And, and when you understand, I don't know, good, good salespeople are, are, Wouldn't you rather have them overcoming
1: objections than searching for email addresses? I think that's the nexus of this, you know?
0: Well, and then there's the next on the list and I won't make you guess it's building rapport. Well, that's sometimes hard to do when you're
1: in the weeds with 10 million things that sure. Yeah. But also like building rapport, how many salespeople wish that's how they could spend their time. Yeah. Uh, Some some salespeople I know are some of the most, charismatic, genuine, honest uh, solutions driven people, but they've been reduced to prospecting machines that are doing robotic tasks. It should be replaced with an actual machine next on the list,
0: managing their pipeline. This is back into that whole process. It's like, okay, wait, so I have to spend all this time selling. I got to spend all this time handling objections. I got to go look for all this business too. I got to put data in, to something
1: and do a lot of this other crap. Like not a lot of that sounded like selling. We talk at sale about jungle, dirt road, highway. What stage are you, or what stage is this department? And if they're in the jungle, they need to move to the dirt road and then eventually the highway startups. and, And I think all of us are great at having highway ideas, being in the jungle, scary. There's bugs, People want to, you know, competitors, et tigers, et and snakes. tigers, maybe, and more bears, yeah, maybe more than the bugs, etc.
0: Yeah, maybe the bugs. I don't know, man, I'm going back to the Philippines <laughs> in a few days. I've seen some bugs <laughs> around that place that did legitimately scare me.
1: So as it so it's not just those stages, jungle, dirt road, highway, but when you're hiring people, and especially salespeople, I've been doing a lot of reading about hiring them for the stage you're in. And so Basically, when you, when you hire a salesperson, think about like a renaissance sales rep. This is, these are the ones that are really, really hard to find, the ones that can create their own sales collateral, the ones that sit and think about objections and how they're going to answer them, the ones that aren't going to need a prompt. They can manage their own pipeline. So when you describe that, it's really hard to find great salespeople. It's even harder to correctly align them with the stage you're at.
0: Well, that's also why adapting change is adapting to change is number six. Like you run a startup, I guess I run a startup. Are you not a startup? I don't know. I don't know. Uber—they called Uber a startup even after they went public. And I'm like, dude, if the name of your company became a verb, you're not a startup anymore. (laughs) But, but adapting to change, and I think that this is a key thing. And and this is you know like, don't move my cheese. What do you mean the process change? Well. Process is changing for the better. And if that, if a lot of that process occurs in the background,
1: so much, like it's, it's so much better, so much better. What about like uh, change in other way, like change in commission structure? Oh God. How about the sales reps that regardless of changes to structure or product or internal things still find a way to be on top year after year. I mean, I did that when I was just a salesperson. I actually
0: worked for a company I won't name and I came in under one one thing and then they changed their whole model halfway through and they, you know, I went to a meeting and they're like, this could result in you making less money. And I was looking at it and I was like, that's not gonna happen. And, and you like, made more you right? I did. Yeah, exactly. I did because I was I was that renaissance Yes, person. I found just I had to just kind of shift my mentality about the way I was selling, which is also why the company had to shift their mentality, because they had a bunch of old school dudes that and they were all dudes. So I say that in a non sexist way, but they had a bunch of old school dudes that were just kind of like, there, they were like order takers. Sure. And, you know, as, and, you know, technology wasn't as advanced as it is now, but I was looking around and I was like, man, it, it, it gave me more uh, pay to find new things and new business. So the change was, is like, so if you have these accounts that are legacy for 10 years, you walked into this, I inherited a huge account list and it's like, I didn't do anything for that. Like if they want an order taker, they could have had someone in an hundred number. They didn't need me to take the order. Definitely was the point. So it, it rewarded more new opportunities and growth within the existing opportunities, not just to pay. And I was like, I was really excited about it. And some of the other guys quit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they, they went, they went to something else. And if they would have dropped you in the middle of the jungle, you would have found your way out yeah or commercialize the jungle right? <laughs> maybe
0: both <laughs> yeah maybe both all right so next on the list number seven closing deals I mean if I have more time to focus on that I mean now what now for me like okay so you know if we had either Top Gun Maverick or the original Top Gun and this is our comparison like you're going for missile lock that was like the big thing, whether they're in training or real life, you know, you want to hear that tone that beep, you're locked yeah. in. When I get that, you're not getting me off your tail.
1: Yeah. I sure. mean,
0: I, I think that that's, um, and I think it's it, it, difficult. I think too many salespeople are worried that they're going to offend someone. Like do people come and fill out that form at fullscale.io? Cause they need a solution. I'm not afraid to tell them about it. And when I have the right solution, yeah. I'm going to keep asking, like, Yeah. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And like, we've even gone through this. Like some of this is like, Hey, like sometimes people look at your opportunity one way and say, I just want to challenge you to look at this a couple different ways. Cause sometimes the solution that people want isn't necessarily available. Yeah. Totally. It requires a, a change in thinking or a change in approach. And you know, and that's how you end up making deals, man. Finding options. And putting enough feasible ones out there until the people that you're presenting them to find one that they're comfortable with. Don't you think that the close happens earlier than most realize in the process? I I think it happens during the presentation and handling objections. Yeah. Because if you do both of those effectively, it's just, I mean, people have asked me like, dude, what's your big closing line? Do you want to go ahead and get this? Yeah.
1: Like that's it. Yeah. Like when can we start? Right. Right. It's not about a, a tactic no. or a, a, some sort of move. It's all of the steps that are prior it's to It's basically that. everything that you've listed here. Yeah. If, as long as the, the, a lot of these things are in place, <laughs> the, deal should, the deal should close itself. What's the name? What's that book? The Score Takes Care of Itself. I don't know. Right? I don't, I don't read books anymore. I, think, <laughs> I don't have time. I'm too busy fucking <laughs> around with my sales process. <laughs> I think that The Sale Takes Care of Itself, Um. If the other parts of the process are are in well, place. look if you if you're listening to
0: what someone needs and you're so this is the problem is salespeople make it way too like broad and cloudy and right and so but you start by listening hey what's the I will literally ask what's the biggest problem you're trying to solve right now yeah and I just listen to what they have to say and the, the thing I've really come to realize as I've gotten older and more experienced is that peace of mind is a real thing that people buy. And it's maybe the most valuable component of all of it. I think this is where salespeople mess up. And uh, if you're listening, you know who you are, but I had a guy that pitched me some landscape stuff and he gives me a a, a $15,000 bid, Yeah, actually a larger bid, but I was very unclear about what I was buying. Mm And so it was like, so the thing was, is there was no peace of mind with it because I would, I, hey, we could put five trees here. We could put six plants here. We could do whatever. And then, and then, but let me know what kinds of trees or plants you want. I don't. No, I can't yeah. even name more than three kind of pine tree, yeah. a ficus. Like, does that, I mean like what else? Like a birch, yeah, maple. I'm just naming types of woods that yeah. my table is built out of <laughs> right. at this point. And you know, but with that, it was like very. It wasn't. It wasn't defined. It was. It didn't put me on like. So the peace of mind part of that and the convenience of buying were out the window. And the reason I was able to bring this up is because the guy actually, after failing to see, see, sell to me, actually reached out because he's a he's a podcast listener. Oh, okay. And he's like, "What am I doing wrong?" I'm like, "You made it too difficult for me to buy. There was no peace of mind with my with my purchase. Like, because I have 10 million things to do. Sure. And the, and and there was a list of other stuff that needed to occur in there. So, like, the peace of mind could be like, okay, it's such a headache. I've ha- gone through this with a full-scale client. Uh, it's a headache for us to bring bigger groups of developers on. I say, okay, well, let's do this. So let's bring on three. And during this process, we're going to document the entire thing. So you don't have to do it next time. Guess what? That's one of my biggest accounts now. Wow.
1: That's great. But That's
0: it though. Because like, yeah. the peace of mind was the problem. They're like, cause are they're, they're, their issue at the time was they were every time they put a new developer and they pair them up with another developer and the, and that, and it really was, they're already behind, they were behind on some deadlines and stuff like that. So the peace of mind was out the window. They're like, I don't want to slow down what we're doing. Well, we shouldn't have to, because yeah. this is a repeatable thing. It's the same thing again and again and again and again and again. And so we put someone on doing
1: that and that, Yeah, I mean, that was more important than anything else. You also talked about how easy it was, though. And I feel like the harder, I feel like a difficult process or difficult concept erodes peace of mind, too. Right. It works against it. I've done that with our onboarding at at Full Scale. So I used to ask a
0: whole bunch of questions. And and I'd sit around because I have no life (laughs) and think about how many steps I can remove from things. Yeah. Because the, the less steps, well, okay, why is Amazon so successful? Because A, I trust the process, yeah. right? I know that my stuff's going to get there on time. I know it's easy to return stuff if needed. And three, I can buy it with one click. Tap, done, right? They rem- I mean, they are the crown jewel of removing steps from the process. And that's why it's easy to buy there. And so the easier you make it, and that and that's the thing that I think is hard for a lot of salespeople to understand. It's like you know, it's like okay, uh, go do this and go do that and go do this and go do that. How many of those things could I have just done for you? Because that's that's what a thought like like thoughtfulness in sales is is uh, is really important.
1: Draw it back to overcoming objections. Yeah, you hear the same objection. 35 times. Dude, I try to address those you in the presentation. It, yeah. You're now, yeah. you're achieving, you're overcoming it before they've even yeah. thought it. Yeah. And you know, it's going to be there. That makes yeah. it easier in their mind. Now they have even yeah. piece of more peace of mind and the credibility, which I don't know if credibility is on the list, but establishing that credibility of, okay, this person well, knows it's building rapport. Yeah. So yeah. this person knows what we're up against. Yeah. They, they're, they're fighting for us and trying to, to win us over.
0: I'll tell you what my biggest objections at full scale are. They're related to time zone. Yeah. Okay. So in my presentation, I'll say that all of our, all of our, all of our technical staff is going to have some portion of their day that overlaps with yours. There's a quality issue because a lot of people have had struggles with offshore teams that sucked. Yeah. So we only hire one in 30 developers. We developed our own assessment process to determine what skills were and the people. So what does that look like? It's not full of trivia questions because I've yet to meet a PHP developer that was better because he knew what PHP stood for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's not a good assessment. And also a lot of the assessment tools that are out there, the answers are all over the internet. That's sure. not the case with ours, Right. We've also, you know, so you can kind of get down that and then uh, English language. So mm-hmm. like the Philippines is one of the most fluent English fluent places in the world. Like yeah. the official business language of the Philippines is English. So with that, I don't have any employees that don't speak English. Yeah. Because it's a key ingredient. If you can't communicate, you can't build software. So those three things right there are. And so I, th- that's a part of my, my, my brief value prop. Yeah. Right? So I go through that. And that satisfies. If, if that's done properly, you can satisfy a lot of objections. I think any and all products have like four or five that they always get no matter what.
1: Yeah. No and then every once what. in a while you get something really out of left field. Sometimes it's really good. I tend to right. compliment the prospect. Oh yeah. I haven't heard no, this one in a
0: long yeah, time. That's a good one. one. So that's really a good, good. Right. One. right. Yeah. But it's rare. And the thing, so I, I listen, I, I refer to listening for the echo. So when that echo resounds and it's just like (laughs) there, like that's usually something that can be handled. Okay. Number eight,
1: staying organized. Yeah. I mean, we already talked about that. Keeping track of tasks, but you know what, this brings up a good point. So we live in this crazy, I don't know if I love this phrase, but sales enablement, you know, so there's like 10,000 sales enablement solutions or something like that. And a lot of them do the, the, the not hard part, but the inconvenient part, they automate that. So if you need reminders to follow up with someone or you need you know, a, a playbook or something like that to remind you of next steps with the prospect, that's not really hard. It's not a hard task you're automating, it's just not convenient. And I think most sales enablement solutions live in, in that category. I think the hard- I, I
0: built those into my own platform.
1: Yeah, right. Like that's just like the st- walking you through it. Sure. Yeah. It's part of the, it's a natural part of the process. I think though that I, I can see that working against sales executives. I think the best ones, despite their disorganization are still really successful. They would just be even more successful if they were organized. I, yeah. Or I just think I
0: literally will hire people to be organized for them. Yeah, I, I mean, I've done it and, and that's so, I worked at a company, Roland, that was in the music industry. And and Fiona, if you happen to be listening, thank you. We <laughs> love you. Because we had this angel yeah. named Fiona who fixed all that. She was like there sure. to perfect all of our imperfections. Yeah. And you know, this is back when like, uh, so our, we didn't even have a sales tracking thing there yeah. and that's our right. ordering system was still DOS based. So yeah. yeah, that was like, and then and, and you talk about the process it was like, you needed to like have a secret code to meet the gnome under the bridge that no one knew that was there down the third warp tunnel on the fourth level of Mario. Sure. Like, cause like, I mean, how <laughs> the fuck was I supposed to know that you had to hit F yeah. seven <laughs> to open up something else? I'm like, I don't even know how we serve. How do we even make it to where we're at that? I, I, I managed a chain of retail stores that I probably describe more there. It's like, we try to bring on a new cashier, and like I mean, there was just like there was always one person. there was always this old lady or someone that worked at the back of the store that, you know, we'd always have to call up and like, can you come up to the front because we're not <laughs> smart? I've been doing this system for eleven years. You got to hit F three, then F seven, then F six. Where did where is there something that says that? Right? Where is there something and there's not? There never was and there. All right. So staying organized. Now, here's the thing. This is is going to play into what I was saying earlier. Number nine, staying motivated. Sales can be high pressured and demanding and salespeople may struggle to stay motivated in the face of rejection and long periods of time in between sales. People aren't consistent. That was my whole point earlier. Getting people that show up every day. Now, dude, I'm like overflowing with drive and energy. Most people I think yeah a bot would solve that the bots motivated bot, every day right sale
1: bots don't know you know emotion <laughs> that's like the well, that's <laughs> the good part yes or they don't they don't have bad days right okay. so they're automatically doing that
0: process and i think well, They don't have bad days. Like they may have bad days. Like maybe their results aren't there, but they're going to get up and do it again.
1: The well, next day. I mean, yeah. all of our customers are great. So if they're not getting results and that means a prospect had a bad day, but I would say this, yes. Uh, sale bots or bots in general don't tend to have bad days, but I think by taking these tasks off someone's plate, hopefully they have more good days because yeah. they're more in, in charge and in control of their day. And, you know, creativity, is not something you can just turn on like that. Creativity comes when your mind's free, when you're not overrun with tasks and and follow up things you have to do. And so, you know, out of that, if out of using a sale bot comes a more creative human, I think that that's a really good benefit to them attacking their prospecting process.
0: You know, the salespeople at Full Scale when we explained sale, they were like, wait, they were almost, they were confused. They were like, wait, we don't have to do that stuff anymore. <laughs> like not soon. And they're like, wait. So once again, <laughs> just to confirm, <laughs> just to confirm, I don't have to do all the shit that I hate. Yeah. and Yeah. What's going to happen from that? Well, I'm going to sell a lot more stuff because I'm not going to spend all this time doing this other crap. All right. Number 10 out of 10, communicating value. This is something a bot, this can be automated too. If this is, it, so in fact, this can be highly automated because any, any bot or repetitive or automated process is going to
1: repeat the value proposition that comes in it. Not only that, but let's talk about where a sale bot, how a sale bot comes to be and the automation accordingly, right? The sale bot's built based on you or based on your team. You've heard objections your whole career or your whole time at the company. You know what types of buyers are buying from you. So you know who and how to communicate that value directly. Now that you know that, it's time to to automate it, right?
0: Yeah, no, there's no doubt about, no doubt about that. No doubt about that. So when, it, you know, all right, so I, I, all 10 of these are legit yeah. and a bot gave me that. Automated and seen, (laughs) yeah. You know, you mentioned one thing that's that's you know, chat GPT has been so so popular for a lot of people to talk about. But I think the one the one problem that it solves is is honest. There's there's a creativity side to this. Like, yeah, go ask it ten things to talk about. Give me ten topics to talk about for a sales podcast. Sure. Give me ten more, and it'll just keep going and going and going. I'm like, wow, that did that way faster. Yeah, than I would have done. All right. So here we are. We're at the end of another episode of of startup hustle, which was once again, powered by fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Once again, sale.ai that's S A I L E.ai. There's links to both fullscale and sale.ai in the show notes. Nick, here we are in the founder's freestyle. What would you like to say on your way out of today's show? And thanks again for joining us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank, thanks for having me again. Founders freestyle. I would just say, is this supposed to be two founders? No,
0: I just—it's uh, a fancy way of saying. You. What are your closing remarks? Oh, closing remarks. I uh, let people freestyle. I've had some people like literally rap, <laughs> do like
1: a lot of stuff. I would say if, I, I would leave you with this. Um, you know, the one thing that all, all those ten points sort of said but didn't say in in some of them was was trust, right? So trust your own process, but don't be afraid of something helping you with that process. You're likely an expert in some part of what you do, if not all of it. And if you're the expert on it, that means you can give direction and can provide that direction to other people or to a bot. So trust what you know, trust that experience you have, and don't be afraid to let something make it easier for you.
0: Well, I think the tools are, are the key. And, you know, I'm always talking about the founders freestyle, and I'm saying you can rap and do whatever. So speaking of tools, I asked chat GPT to write me a rap about sales. So yes. here we go. Okay, listen up, y'all. I got a story to tell about a hustler in sales who's doing well. He's got a gift for gab and a heart of gold. He can sell anything from young to old selling. It's the game he loves to play making deals and closing every day. He's got the skills. He's got the drive and the flair. He's the the king of sales without a care. He's got a smile that lights up the room and a style that makes you want to groove. He knows how to listen and how to care. He's got what it takes to take you there. Selling, it's a game he loves to play, making deals and closing every day. He's got the skills, the drive and the flair. He's the king of sales without a care. <laughs>
1: <Love> <laughs> there <it>. you go. <laughs> nice. could have probably
0: come in a lot of different directions. I'd say I, that was more of like a po- poetic reading, but. I liked it. Anyway, I, I've been, I've been like encouraging people to rap and freestyle for long enough. And there I did. I finally did it myself. And I think that's a perfect way to end the show. Mic drop. Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.
1: like we do it.